A very good morning to all of you, my beloved sisters in Christ, beautiful daughters of God. Uh, for those who weren't able to meet me yesterday, a special welcome to our retreat if you're joining us today. My name is Father Ricardo Pineda. I'm originally from San Diego, California, but now I'm coming from Auburn, Kentucky, where I live with my community, the Fathers of Mercy. Uh, and I was able to share um, my vocation story yesterday uh, with the ladies who are here. Um, I know the questions out there, how old am I? I'm, I'm 32 years old. I've been a priest, praise God, for uh, six and a half years. Um, and I can't give you the full vocation story, but I thought I'd give you the shorter little version uh, in song form. Or, okay, poetry or rap. <laughs> six years old going to Mass on a Sunday, every week the same, so it seems, but one day, priest walks up, says hi to my family, shaking all our hands, then he looks down at me, hey, little man, might you want to be a priest? Truth be told, hadn't thought it in the least, but wait, can't a priest turn bread into God? Sounds like a superpower. Hey, why not? So I said yes, and he became so happy, called the other priest. Now they're both bowing at me. We'll pray for you, we'll pray for you, we'll pray every day. When I got home, heard my mommy say, God has a plan for your life, no doubt. Pray every day so you might find out what God wants you to be when you grow. Look for the signs that he sends so you know. You can work through me if you want to because then I can see what you might do. Yes, you can work through me if you want to because I gotta see what you might do. Middle school girls looking pretty as can be. Priesthood couldn't be the life for me. Can't date, can't kiss, no wife, no kids. God wouldn't want me to miss all this. If my mom asked about it, I would say, no way, I don't wanna be a priest. Then my mom would say, Keep praying, asking God what he wants you to be. His will is what makes us the most happy. I said, what if I don't do God's will for my life? If he wants me for a priest, but I go and take a wife, can't I still be happy in a life I choose? She said, maybe just a bit. In the end, you'd lose. You would never be as happy as he wanted you to be. Don't think you can make better plans than he. Even if right now you don't see it as a boy, trust God in the end, you will find such joy. You can work through me if you want to because then I can see what you might do. Yes, you can work through me if you want to because I gotta see what you might do. Freshman year coming near confirmation, but my friends don't care about faith formation, seeking happiness in a worldly way. Get wise, realize that we die someday. If we're meant to go to heaven, then we better be prepared. Stop sinning, live the faith, dive deeper into prayer. Because we got to be standing when the Lord rings the bell. Want to head uptown, not down into hell. So I'm praying for my family and I'm praying for my friends. Lord God, help us all reach a happy end. But someone's got to tell them how important this is. If I go become a priest, I could give such witness. Now it seems clear that I know God's will, but I'm so unworthy. Do I really fit the bill? God's grace is sufficient for the strength I need. Mother Mary and the saints up in heaven intercede. You can work through me if you want to because then I can see what you might do. Yes, you can work through me if you want to because I've got to see what you might do. Um. Uh, please stand. <laughs> In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. 
Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak thus as the Father has taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We have a video in my home called Panetta Kids, and I love watching myself as a three, four-year-old, you know, the things that you do with your siblings. And one of the things they got me on tape doing was, uh, I was throwing a little tantrum. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting on the toy box, and I was stomping my feet saying, I want to do whatever I want. And the very next thing out of my mouth was, ow! <laughs> because as I jumped off the toy box to go do whatever I wanted, I tripped and fell and hurt myself. <laughs> and um, this is what can happen if we don't have that fundamental attitude of a Christian that Jesus reveals to us in the gospel we just heard. I always do what is pleasing to him. That's meant to be our fundamental attitude as sons and daughters of God. It's the only proper response to the love that God has shown us. We reflected in the talk last night about how God wants to give himself to us in love. He created us to share in that personal loving communion of the Trinity in heaven. And he wants to invite us into that. And so he sends us his son to redeem us, to take away sin, which contradicts that presence of love, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and through the, the sacraments of his church, he is continually sanctifying us by the Holy Spirit, uniting us closer to himself, everything flowing from divine love. Well, the only proper response to God's I love you is I love you too. And that's what we want to hear. And so the way we prove our love for him is by doing always what is pleasing to him. You have loved me so much, oh, I just want to return that love. And so we see this in St. Paul, when he encounters Jesus Christ the first time, what comes out of his mouth? Lord, what would you have me do? Fundamental attitude of the Christian, to ask that every day. Lord, what would you have me do? We make this our goal. Always do what is pleasing to the Father. We say it every day in the Our Father, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't say my will be done on earth as it should be in heaven. Uh, no. <laughs> And we wanted to really mean it when we say that prayer, the Our Father, thy will be done. I'm going to try in every aspect of my life to do the will of God. 
So that's the first conviction of this talk that we want to have. We want to try to discern in everything God's will. Second main point, second conviction that we want to have with us is if we don't do God's will, if we just do whatever we think is best or whatever we want to do, then we can hurt ourselves and we can hinder our growth in holiness. Right? Who wants to go to heaven? Everybody. Right? Uh, who wants to be a saint? Hopefully, again, everybody. It's the same question. We need to be a saint to get to heaven. Uh, so this is our, our project, holiness, right? reaching perfect love of God and of neighbor. Uh, but if we're trying to do things our way without help from God, then we can hinder our progress. There's an example in the scriptures, a very important example, from the Old Testament, King Saul. King Saul was the first king of the Israelites, uh, but he ended up being rejected by God later as king because of an act of disobedience. In 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 9, we read of how God had commanded King Saul to go and take care of the Amalekites, defeat them, and kill everybody, spare no one, because this was a very evil nation, and, and don't take any booty. Uh, meaning, you know, spoils of war, you know, any of the, the gold and stuff. But King Saul goes, and yes, he defeats the Amalekites, but he doesn't kill the king. He spares the king Agag, and he also uh, takes a number of the, the spoils, the gold and different vessels, and he takes them for the temple injury. He, he takes them for, for the worship of God. And Samuel, the prophet, confronts him. And he says, why have you disobeyed God? King Saul says, no, I obeyed the Lord. I went and I defeated the Amalekites. You know, he thought that that was enough if he went maybe 50% or 80, 85%, but then did some other things his own way. Uh, and he even says, this is not for myself. I've taken these things for, for the worship of God. I'm going to offer it to him. Good intention, but still there was some disobedience. And so Samuel responds to him, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so they took you know, the rams and the other animals. That was part of the booty, the spoils that he said, oh, we're going to offer it to the Lord. Samuel says, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. Divination is when we try to be God. We try to have control over everything. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Idolatry is worshiping false gods. It could be making ourselves uh, that false god, where we're only going to do what we think is best. He says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So it doesn't matter you know, how good the intention, how great the offering we're trying to make to God, if it's not in accord with his will, it's not going to help us. It might hurt us, and it might hurt the, our relationships with others. Now that's an example of all-out disobedience. He knew what he should have done, and he didn't do it. Uh, but many of us, especially if we're coming on retreat, we're trying to do the will of God, right? But we could end up making mistakes. Um, here's a classic example. Uh, you have a, a man or a woman who's always at church right they're always involved in different church activities they need volunteers for something they're always ready to go um, or it could be not necessarily activities but they're always there praying in church and people who see them think oh they must be so holy 
right? Because they're always praying, they're always doing these religious things. You know, maybe they're uh, usher, lector, cantor, all these different things involved in worship. They must be really holy. And perhaps the person themselves is thinking also, yes, I'm very holy because, you know, I'm praying all the time and doing all these religious things. But in a number of these cases, what happens? You go, you visit the home, and you find out that they're neglecting their duties to their family, right? Uh, perhaps a husband not giving his wife the time that she merits from him. Um, also, a wife could be neglecting her husband and children. You know, the house could be in disarray, and none of the chores or the, the cleaning gets done, or the husband, you know, leaving different things unfixed. You know, the house is all um, disordered, not functioning. Uh, there could be neglect of of instruction to our kids, you know, talking to them about the important things. So we find out, oh, this person is neglecting their vocation as a wife and mother or as a husband and father. Oh, but they're doing all these religious things. Are they growing in holiness? No, because growing in holiness is primarily about doing God's will, doing the things that he wants us to do. And if we're neglecting things that he wants us to do, to do other good things, Again, it doesn't matter how good they are, uh, they're not going to be helping us, and they could be hurting us. They could end up hurting our family. Another temptation could be uh, activism in the church. You know, people who are always involved in you know, feeding the poor, um, clothing the naked, you know, the homeless shelters, soup kitchens, uh, all these good works of mercy. These are part of the bodily, the corporal works of mercy. Our Lord says, you know, we'll be judged if we don't do these things. Yes, but some people, uh, they, they only focus on that, and they throw out other parts of the faith. They throw out prayer. Uh, they're, they're never praying. And they might even look down on someone who prays a lot. They might look down on a contemplative vocation, like the Carmelites or other sisters, or monks who all they do is work and pray. They think, oh, wait, what use is that, you know, if they're not out there actually helping people? You don't realize, you know, some demons can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. And if no one's praying, then how is this going to happen? They forget what our Lord said, without me, you can do nothing. Right? Uh, to actually be effective in the kingdom of God, to win souls for Christ, to win souls for the kingdom of heaven, we have to have a profound union with Jesus. All of our service to others, all of our love of neighbor is meant to flow from love of God, from this fount, ever-flowing fount of the love of God. And if we withdraw from that source, eventually we're going to run dry. How much do we pray? And that's why I'm glad that you're on a retreat, right? You're recognizing you need this time away to be with God, to recharge the batteries, so to speak, right? To receive strength from God to continue the task that he has for you. Right? Every one of us is meant to cooperate in the salvation of souls, the salvation of husbands, children, you know, close family, friends, co-workers, right? whoever God's putting in your spear, we're meant to help them get to heaven. And for that, we need this union with God. If we're not focused on discerning the will of God in everything, then frustration and burnout can make a lot of sense. A lot of Catholics, they find themselves so uh, burnt out, right? They feel like so overwhelmed, right? And, and they think it's God's fault. Uh, but it's not necessarily the case. It's, it could be that they are taking on things that God is not asking of them, right? They're putting so many things on their plate that someone asks a favor, they're always saying yes instead of, uh, I'd like to, but let me pray about it. 
right? It's not necessarily God's will that we do every single thing. Maybe that task, he's going to have it for someone else. I hope you find the right person. But we pray about it. Without this, then we get burned out. Conviction number three. God promises us all the grace and the help that we need to do his will, but he doesn't necessarily promise us the grace to do our own will. Right? If, we're, if we're set on doing something that we haven't discerned comes from God, then God's like, oh, all right, you can try, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm more concerned about this other thing, right? so we don't have the strength we need for this other task we're taking on, then we end up getting burnt out. Right? When, when it's all about God's will, he's going to give us the strength. Sure, it, there could still be some demanding tasks, but we're going to have what we need to carry it as a wife and mother, husband and father. The different demands of, that, of those vocations uh, or whatever our state in life God's going to give us the strength for that. So our greatest obstacle to holiness, or even just peace, could be clinging too tightly to our own plan, what we think needs to happen. So how do we know God's will? How do we discern God's will? Well, he has sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in our soul and is meant to guide us through everything in life. This little book called In the School of the Holy Spirit by Father Jacques Philippe. It's a very good one. This was assigned to me during my novitiate, my first year with the Fathers of Mercy. And I read it, and there were so many good things. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I got to a certain point, and I was like, ugh. (laughs) I put it down, and I didn't want to read it anymore. (laughs) And I'll point out what, what that was later. But Years later, during my formation, I ended up picking it back up again, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, oh, man, there are so many good things in here. Yeah, I really should follow this in the school of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how, uh, you know, our holiness is, it's, it's impossible for us alone. We need God's help, and also that there are so many different paths to holiness, and God has a specific one for us that only he knows. If we set off on trying to exactly imitate some saint, right, we might not necessarily have the grace for that. So God is going to show us where to focus our efforts. And he shows it through inspirations of the Holy Spirit, through promptings, the Holy Spirit moving us to to make certain decisions. Uh, God, what do you want me to do? We take it to the Holy Spirit, and, and then we make our choice. Now, as we're doing this, it's good to recognize uh, there's a checklist, and this is conviction number four. There's a, a checklist when it comes to the will of God. You know, some people say, oh, yes, I'm living by the Holy Spirit. I'm following the Holy Spirit, and yet they're doing things that, that we know God does not want them to do. Oh, yeah, God totally, he led me to leave my spouse and go find another one. No. <laughs> right? I think that's coming from your fallen human nature right? or from the evil one. Right? So there's a, there's a checklist. God's not going to contradict himself. There are certain things he has revealed that he wants us to do and things that he does not want us to do. So number one on that checklist is going to be the commandments. Right? What does God want me to do? Keep the commandments to avoid any serious sins against them. Um, and along with the commandments, number two is going to be the teachings of the church. Right? God has founded his church. It's his, his body that continues the work of Christ, the Holy Spirit at work through the church to ensure us the full truth, the revealed truth of God, how, how we are meant to live to secure our salvation, what we have to believe to have that salvation in Christ. And so the, the church has laws right, for Catholics, some basic uh, elements of Catholicism, 
go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Days of Obligation, confess our mortal sins at least once a year, receive Holy Communion at least once a year during the Easter season. Uh, certain days during Lent we fast or we abstain from meat, right? The church gives us some bare minimums. Um, and when it comes to new technologies, you know, like in vitro fertilization or embryonic stem cell research or you know, the contraceptive pill, the church uh, gives us guidance, right? It's, it's not just a group of men trying to do their best. We believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding them right, to keep us free from anything against God's will. So commandments, teachings of the church, uh, after that, then obedience to lawful authorities, right? Uh, all lawful authority, good laws, God would want us to obey those, including uh, traffic laws, right? Um, keeps us safe, um, other, other things. If there's unjust laws, we don't have to obey those. Those aren't necessarily from God. But obedience to our parents, you know, to those that God sets over us, you know, our, our boss at work. And then after we've done those three things, okay, commandments, teachings of the church, lawful authority, then our state in life, right? What is our vocation? Uh, what are the demands, the duties tied to our state in life? If we are married, if we're a parent, then it means being attentive to the needs of my spouse, to the needs of my children. If I'm a child, if I'm a teenager, that means obedience to my parents, means respect and honor to my parents, that means helping out with the, with the chores in the house, doing what I'm told. If I'm a student, you know, part of the duties of my state in life is my studies, right? Being responsible, uh, not you know, just uh, do, doing things to get by and then going and playing a bunch of video games, right? To, to be attentive to my responsibilities. If I'm a priest or a religious, I have to keep to those scheduled times of prayer, right? I'd make my holy hour every day, uh, keep the... the, the the rules that are written in our constitutions for the Fathers of Mercy, all that's going to be part of God's will for my growth and holiness. Uh, parents, uh, cooking for our kids, right? Uh, changing diapers, <laughs> getting up in the middle of the night uh, when the baby's crying, uh, the stove blows up, who knows, you know, whatever might happen, you know, taking care of these things, these everyday things in, in family life. Uh, these are part of God's will for us. And it can involve sacrifice you know, when we do these things. Uh, it could be in a job, right? A monotonous job that we don't necessarily care for. Uh, well, just offering that up with great love to God, uh, for our family. Right? Through all of these things, we can be growing in holiness. See, a common misconception out there is the thought that if I'm not doing religious things, then I'm not growing in holiness. In order to become a saint, I have to you know, pile up a whole bunch of religious activities. And we don't realize that things that are not religious in themselves, like cooking, like cleaning, um, even enjoying a good movie with my family, a uh, good clean movie, uh, that these things can help us grow in holiness if they are God's will. Right? And so far as they're God's will and we offer them with love for God, then through all of these things, we can grow in holiness. So that's conviction number five, is that... We can grow in holiness through ordinary, everyday, non-religious things. Think of Jesus in Nazareth. Thirty years he lived like any other man. Some people think, well, why didn't he spend more years uh, in ministry doing miracles? Well, because that wasn't the Father's will. Right? Part of the Father's will was for him to just live under Mary and Joseph, right? to be obedient to them, to be working as a carpenter, Right, just everyday work as a carpenter, 
offered for love of the Father, right, that was God's will for him. And every single one of his actions during his life on earth, right, whether it was working in the carpenter shop or dying on the cross, it had value for our salvation because it was God's will. Uh, some people think, you know, Jesus had to die on the cross. That was the only way we could have been saved. Uh-uh, no. Uh, that all of that was needed for, for our salvation was an act of infinite value that would make up for the infinite offenses of our sins. And because Jesus is God, any one of his actions during his life on earth has infinite value. Now, even just a little giggle as a baby in his crib, right, offered to the Father, that's infinite value because it is an act of the God-man. Right? So if it was not the Father's will for Jesus to suffer and die on the cross, and yet if Jesus had decided, well, I'm going to do it this way anyways because I think it'll be awesome, right? it's like really heroic, <laughs> then it would have no value for our salvation. Right? The value of the cross and the passion comes from the fact that he was obeying his Father's will. He said, the world must know that I love the Father and that I do as the Father has commanded me. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. This command I have received from my Father. So in everything, the value comes from it being God's will. There's an example of cleaning the bathroom. Uh, Mother Teresa, one time she was visiting a house of the missionaries of charity in San Francisco. And one of the first places she ended up going was the bathroom. And she noticed how immaculately clean the bathroom was. Just spick and span, just you couldn't see a speck anywhere. And she asked the Mother Superior, who cleans the bathroom? And she told her, and she said, call that sister. And they call the sister, and when the sister gets to Mother Teresa, she caresses her face and says, you make Jesus so happy. Right? You make Jesus so happy. She told the bishop, that sister loves Jesus. Because right? she didn't think, oh, well, you know, it's just cleaning the bathroom, so you'll just do a good enough job. No, she did the best she could for Jesus and for souls. St. Therese of Lisieux said that if you drop a pen on the floor and you pick that up for love of Jesus, then you've done a great thing. So yes, all these non-religious activities can, can skyrocket our holiness when we do them with love for God. Commandments, teachings of the church, duties of our state and life, and among the most important duties in all this is going to be the, a bare minimum of prayer. Right, making sure we're praying every day. I, I gave the challenge yesterday, if we're not doing it already, uh, 15 minutes, at least 15 minutes of personal prayer a day. Um, and some say, why not five, Father? Because five minutes is what you give someone who you really don't want to talk to, right? Okay, you got five minutes and then get out of here. No, with God, please, at least 15 minutes, and hopefully we'll add to that later on, right? A bare minimum of, of some study of our faith, right? To grow in our faith each week. Some scripture reading. Uh, He's revealed through his blessed mother, he wants us to pray the rosary every day. Five mysteries of the rosary every day. She told the children at Fatima, pray the rosary every day for the peace of the world. Okay, then I get some free time, then can I do what I want? <laughs> some people think that, okay, as long as I keep the commandments and then I take care of the duties of my vocation, my state in life, right, then I get some free time, this is mine. <laughs> right? God, don't touch this, right? And finally, just, just let me do something for myself. Uh, uh, can we do that? No. <laughs> it's wrong to think that uh, when, we, when we've accomplished all these rules, then, uh, then we can just do whatever I want. God doesn't care what I do with my free time, as long as I'm not sinning. Uh, no. 
God has a plan for every single moment of our life. Every single moment of our day, God has something in mind. And he's inspiring us through the Holy Spirit to do it. So we want to be discerning in each moment. Okay, now I've got some free time. God, what do you want me to do with it? Uh, Sure, he'll inspire us to take some legitimate time for leisure, for recreation, uh, for rest. Uh, But I don't think he's going to be inspiring us to binge watch three, four hours of TV or Netflix, right? Or a whole bunch of hours playing video games, right? Uh, I think the Holy Spirit's going to inspire us to use a bit more of that time for growing in holiness, for prayer, for, um, for studying our faith. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Right? We want to be led by the Spirit in everything. Uh, think of the apostles. They got to the point where everything they were doing was guided by the Holy Spirit. They were so in tune with him. They said, we were going to go here, but the Holy Spirit prevented us and guided us over here. Uh, we were praying, and the Holy Spirit said, set aside for me Barnabas and Paul for this work that I have committed to them. And the Holy Spirit is leading them at every moment. This is where we're meant to get to. To grow in holiness to the point where everything we think, say, and do is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus would have thought, said, and done in our place. And this is why he said, it is better for you that I go. Because if I go, if I do not go, the Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus sends us the Spirit, and now it's not like he's just walking in one place on earth. It's like he's, he's by each of our side. Having the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, moving us, it's like having Jesus there with us at every moment telling us what to do. And, and I would love that, because right? I, I tend to perfectionism, and I hate making mistakes. And that's part of the reason why I threw this book away for a while. <laughs> because um, the person said, well, they, he asked the question, what if I, I'm asking God what he wants me to do, and I don't get a clear answer? <laughs> uh, what do I do then? And he says, trial and error. And I'm like, what? He says, by your fruits, you shall know them. You, you try to make the best decision, and then you see what happens. Um, what, what are the fruits? Am I more patient? Am I more trusting of God? Am I more humble? Am I growing in all these virtues of holiness? Am I more loving to my spouse, my kids? Am I uh, you know, praying for my enemies? Am I more cl- inclined to forgive? Those are good fruits. Uh, Or are they bad fruits? Am I more impatient? Am I more stressed out, agitated? Am I more selfish? Am I tending to fall into different sins? By your fruits you shall know them. When I heard that, I was like, no, I don't want to make any mistakes. (laughs) I want to be perfect. Don't leave me to myself. You tell me what what I'm going to do or or forget it. (laughs) Uh, And I was like that for a few years, but then I realized, okay, all right, fine. All right, God, uh, he's, he does call us to be perfect, but he's not a perfectionist in the sense that he demands it of us right now. Right? God is willing to work with us where we're at. He knows we're going to make mistakes at times, um, and he wants us to trust him, even in the midst of our faults, that he's at work, that he's going to make it all work out for our good. And so we, we take it to prayer, and we say, God, as far as I know, this is what you want me to do. Um, or, you know, I, I think you, you could go either way, uh, but I'm going to make this decision. If you want me to do something else, please just let me know. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll change. And, and we do it, and then we, we see the fruits. And if we do this, then with more and more time, 
we'll start to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we'll have a stronger sense of, yes, I do think he wants me to make this choice rather than this one. Right? Just asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? Or come, Holy Spirit, guide me. You know, even if we don't have a clear sense of what to do, he is guiding us. Right? He's not neglecting us. He's not leaving us to ourselves. So what are some tips to foster the inspirations of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, this is another conviction. You know, conviction number, number seven was, um, yes, by your fruits you shall know them. There is some trial and error here. Uh, conviction number eight is we can foster more inspirations. How so? And he mentions in the book different things we can do. Uh, one, praise and thank God for all the inspirations he has sent us thus far. Even if we weren't aware of it throughout our whole life up to this point, God has been sending us inspirations. The Holy Spirit has been trying to prompt us to do the right thing. And we also know our guardian angel is there trying to help us listen to the Holy Spirit. Right? God has not neglected us, uh, so we thank him. You know, even though I didn't know it, thank you, God, for all those inspirations you've sent me. I praise you for them. I thank you for them. When we're grateful, God sends us more. Right? He, he loves a, a grateful heart. Uh, the second is to desire and ask for more inspirations. Right? We thank him for the ones we've gotten, and then we ask him, we beg him, please, uh, send me more. I want them. Right? And God will answer those prayers. Because when it comes to prayers for what we need to become saints, God always says yes. And he always sends us those graces. Three, resolve to refuse God nothing. And we can say, God, I'm sorry for all the times that I didn't follow your inspirations. I'm sorry for the times I didn't ask for them, where I just went and did my own thing. Uh, please uh, give me the, the resolve to refuse you nothing. Right? Whatever you ask of me, even if it's difficult, I'm going to do it. Even if it's the cross, even if it's bearing some sickness or bearing some difficult relationship in my family or at work. Right? God, I will offer that to you with love. Four, silence and prayer. Right, we need more time in silence. The Holy Spirit, he, he moves us gently. And he doesn't act violently. All right, here, move. Go here, go, push, push. No, uh, he, he inspires us sweetly. And if we're not taking time in silence to listen, then it's not going to be easy to discern those movements. So silence, prayer, um, Lexio Divina. This is uh, divine reading especially with the scriptures, to take a passage of scripture, read it slowly, and ask God, what are you saying to me through this scripture? Some people say, God never speaks to me. He only speaks to the saints. Uh, well, one saint said, when we pray, we talk to God. When we read the scriptures, God talks to us. Right? We believe it's the living word of God. And so the readings for Mass, read them before Sunday. And, and ask God, what, are you, what message do you have for me? Maybe the homily of the priest, maybe it doesn't necessarily affect you, uh, but God has something for you. Meditate on those readings. Take time with them. You chew on them. You repeat phrases that jump out at you and let God guide you. And then attentiveness to our heart. This is number five, right? To ask, is this coming from the Holy Spirit? Is this coming from the evil one? Is this coming from my fallen human nature? So three different places where thoughts are uh, inspirations can come from. So we, we're attentive to our heart, asking God, what is it? If we have a spiritual director or a priest we can ask, you know, this helps us. He can help us point out, like, no, that's not of God. Right? Um, I, can, I can tell you right now, this is not of God. Go this way. Do this other thing. Right? Some inspiration from the saints. St. Saint Bernard said, 
God's will is what is in every way more fitting and advantageous for us. Do we believe that? Or do we think that we can plan better than God in some case? No, God's will is what is in every way more fitting and advantageous for us. And St. Francis de Sales expressed, I would rather be a gnat by the will of God than a seraph by my own will. It's an extreme example of, of saying whatever God chooses is in some way it's best. And I'm just, I'm going to trust him, even if it involves the cross. Blessed Chiara Luce Badano, uh, she died of cancer very young, around 18, and she, she would hold up her hair and say, for you, Jesus, as her hair was falling out, she'd say, if it is what you want, Lord, then it's what I want too. Right? And there was a joy that people saw in her, even as she was coming near to the end. Right? And they benefited from her joy. This is what happens when we live by the Holy Spirit. Right? Even if there's suffering and the cross, we are full of joy. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So let us turn to the Holy Spirit, ask him to guide us, turn to our Blessed Mother who always did God's will for her. She perfectly fulfilled God's plan in every single moment, the Holy Spirit guiding her. We can ask her to help us. Let us pray one Hail Mary and one Our Father. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, inspire in us all of our actions, and never, neg- never let us neglect any of your inspirations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>